0: The Star Owls, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast from the Star Sheffield. The restart is the end, so it seems one door opens and several close. But Sheffield Wednesday are back up and running, with on-field matters at least, proving pretty positive. Welcome to The Star Owls as we look back on the first week of the restart for Wednesday and look ahead at what is to come this weekend. I'm Liam Hoden. Joining me first is one half of The Star's Owls writing duo. It's Joe Cran. How are things, Joe? I'm not sure whether people are aware that you're still kind of not trapped in South Africa. That makes it sound a lot worse than <laughs> what it is. But you, you've not been able to join us back in uh, Sheffield so far. How's I I things for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I'm in a hoodie and you lot are both in shorts. Um, no, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, it's a it's the, it's the situation we deal with. Uh, luckily, I work with some good people like you guys who make my life a little bit easier. So um, I'm surviving. I would prefer to be at games, you know. I won't lie, I'm very jealous of Alex getting to go to the matches, but what can you do?
0: And yes, you spoke about in there completing our owls right duo. Alex Miller, our things with you, Alex? Obviously a lot warmer than, uh, than what Joe is at the minute.
2: Yeah, it's, t- it's too hot, Liam. It's too hot. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't deal with it. I've, I've been working outside all day and my laptop's frozen twice with, uh, with overheating. So, uh, yeah, can't complain.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. Just to let you know, we are recording on a video conferencing site, so if you do experience any audio issues, we apologise wholeheartedly. I'll come to you first, Alex. You obviously were at that game last weekend, Wednesday's 1-0 draw with Nottingham Forest, but what was the experience like? Not not so much what went on on the pitch. What was the experience like for you personally, uh, being at a game one played behind closed doors and with so many restrictions on it as well?
2: Yeah, utterly bizarre, I think, is the best way. There, there was a point, it, it was all sort of quite manic to begin with. So, um, for, for maybe the listeners that aren't aware, you, you, usually you've got a good couple of hours in the ground before the start of the game and you you sit and have a bit of scran and you, you're chatting away to, to colleagues from, from maybe other organisations that, that cover Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we we sort of ushered into the ground quite quickly. We sort of frog-marched up to our... Our seats in the press box. Um, you know, the, the written media don't actually have access to the press box itself. Um, so, so we're sort of sat in the in the seats around that um, in in the south stand. Um, and then yeah, so everything's sort of quite quite quick and um, coming out a 100 mile an hour. And I, so to that end, it wasn't completely different. Obviously, the logistics were, but the feel of it maybe wasn't. After about 20 minutes of the game. I was sort of sat there and, and you, you're looking down at this match and it, it was just sort of like this <laughs> this moment of what on earth do we spend our lives obsessing about this for? You know, it just, it it completely debased the whole concept of football down to exactly what it is, which is 22 blokes kicking the ball about. You know, it, we, we could have been watching a, a park game or anything. Um, so yeah, utterly, utterly bizarre. Um, you know, we spoke to Gary Monk straight afterwards via Zoom call, you know, all also sat up, sat up in the stands. Um, and, you know, the, the technical difficulties there, they're always going to be sort of teething problems and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, we, we got through. The club did, uh, did brilliantly, I've got to say, in, in sort of assisting us. But, yeah, in, in terms of the, uh, the actual experience itself, like I say, just really, really surreal. Um, and, and thankfully, you know, as I'm sure we'll get on to, uh, Wednesday ended up nicking a point that they thoroughly deserved.
0: Yes, uh, uh, certainly did. Uh, Joe, what did you make of the uh, the performance itself? Then, before we get into the uh, ins and outs of the, the personnel involved, what what did you make of it as a performance overall? I think probably fair to say that it were a, at least a point deserved for for Wednesday.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think to say it was an improved performance on the Brentford game is probably a little bit of an understatement. Um, but I, I just you know there there was just there was just a lot about it that w- that was good. You know, there was obviously you could see that that they um, the legs weren't entirely there. I know they got a late a late equalizer, which, as Alex mentioned, they entirely deserved. But you could see that it, it was uh for of both sides, it was two teams who were playing who hadn't played football in a long time. I mean, there, there was that that definite feel to the game, but Wednesday looked a lot more um, a lot more rigid than they've than they've looked um for a while. I think, you know, Joe Joe Wildsmith's probably got to take a bit of credit for that. Um obviously the change in formation as well. Go with that three-five-two gives you a bit more stability at the back in terms of having three centre-backs there, um, and I was just overall very impressed with the with the performance. I was impressed with you know the way the players looked as well. You know Gary Monks, he's been saying for weeks now to to us in the press conferences that the guys have come back in good nick and you know they've, they've looked after themselves well and to see them play like that and, and look the way they did, um, I think you know just kind of aligns with that. Someone like Connor Wickham especially. You know, Wickham. Wickham looked. He looked like old Conor Wickham again, and, and that, that's that can only be a be a benefit to Wednesday. But like I say, I, I was just really impressed with the way they acquitted themselves. I, I thought that they, they they put themselves about well. Um, they, there, there wasn't too many negatives. Obviously, there was a little bit of sloppy play. A couple of um, the the main thing for me was the the amount of set pieces and crosses that we wasted. That was the the key downfall for me—I I mean, the amount of crosses that were floated into the box and just kind of gobbled up by the keeper or easily cleared—that—that um, was—that's definitely something that I'm sure, sure Gary's been looking at. But for the for the overall performance, I, uh, other than getting three points, I don't think you know you could have asked too much more from him. Alex, obviously. The
0: the day kind of kicked off uh, in in big fashion when the uh, the team was announced and a, and a few surprises on there and the formation as has touched on as well uh, been
2: been different than what would become used to in the main from uh, from Gary Monk's side. Yeah, it's been a theme all the way through. You know, particularly between Christmas and then you know March when everything came grinding to a halt. You know that things were sort of chopped and changed quite a lot in terms of personnel, in terms of. Systems on the odd occasion, as well, um me and Joe spent a good forty minutes on on Saturday morning doing a Facebook live and predicting our teams and um it's fair to say we wouldn't have passed that exam um but yeah it's you know hard to look right at least we, yeah you I think you got more than me, Joe, but don't we um but yeah it, it was, and I think ultimately it all made a lot of sense, you know with the events that have sort of followed it in terms of knowing where the club are with with contracts and stuff um but yeah, it, it's a needs must. You know, Gary said straight after the game um, when he was speaking to me, it was all all about setting things up for the next few weeks as much as getting that result. You know, that short-termism maybe of, of throwing people onto the pitch um, was a temptation I'm sure they would have had. But, you know, the, the fact is there's a lot of games left. There's a lot of football left to play. And um, potentially, you know, depending on how things go in uh, in a, a courtroom somewhere, not courtroom, business room, whatever, um you know, it could be that they've got an awful lot to play for. So it was a sensible decision and, and he was rewarded by uh, what was a, a far, far better performance, as, as Joe said.
0: What worked well for you, Alex, from, uh, from watching it from that perspective at, in the grandstand?
2: Uh, as, as Joe said, I thought they, were, they sort of limited the chances that, that Forrest had um, with, with the three at the back. I think particularly for me, that there were two things really in, in terms of the, the system change. The midfield worked a lot better. Um, I think having having Luongo back, and we've sort of waxed lyrical about Luongo, he's been one of those players that the longer he's been injured, the, the better player he's become, really. Um, but, yeah, having Luongo and Lee as well, having their legs around Bannon, sort of freed Bannon up to a degree, I think. He was sort of able to drop into two other positions and, and have a bit more... He, he looked to be moving freer free as well. You know, he, we can't sort of underestimate how how war-torn that squad was, really, before the break and and how many of them were carrying injuries and and all that sort of thing. Um, But that midfield three worked really well. And if if there was a a way that they could possibly get those three into the team for this run of eight matches in in 24 days, I think you'd take it, but it's not going to be likely. Um, And I said this on on Twitter with a little bit concerned about how I phrased it, but at times they were overloading the flanks. Um, And I know in Sheffield... That maybe there's another team that that have the monopoly on that sort of thing, um, but yeah, you, sort of little thing. You know, I, I looked at I wrote a piece earlier in the week about Conor Wickham um, and the positions that he was taking up and some of the stats around his performance. And and for a start, he looked a lot more mobile um, and he was getting around the pitch. But you know, he, put, he I think he put in four crosses in the day. He kept popping up and and you know Harris was overlapping him. You know, Wickham's got a, obviously a natural left foot, uh, which which helps. So yeah, they they were sort of really making the most out of those wide areas, um, and and Forrest frankly weren't prepared for that. And uh, and as Joe's alluded to, you know, if the, if the crossing had just been that little bit better, um, you know, we, we we might well have seen a a fairly handsome Wednesday win. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was in terms of the system and how that came off. I, I don't think Gary Monk can. Can probably do much more, and it's up to the players. You know, if they are going to continue with that, to uh, to make the make the most of it. It's one of those things isn't it which suggests
0: that a, ma- a manager needs that bit of time to work on, on his own plan, and come, somebody coming in midway through a season, as as Gary Monk did um he'd never really had that opportunity to get his get his teeth into him and hopefully this is a sign of uh, of things to come as as it gets his his teeth into the uh, into the players on on the training ground joe obviously when the team was named the the big notable factor no player that was approaching the end of his contract or at least hadn't agreed to to stay until the end of the season were included in the starting 11 and we've probably seen over the last few days uh, why why that's been the case but in terms of the ones that
1: are still gonna be around, some decent performances overall. Yeah, um like I say, I, I think looking like you said, looking at what's happened since, you know, I don't think the, the starting eleven was any real surprise. You know, he's obviously focusing very much on the people that he can rely on being around and rely on for, you know, even if it is just till the remainder of the season and um Obviously, you've got Ati Nui, who's joined that list now, um, so I would imagine that we'll be seeing Nui on the bench at least um, this coming weekend. And I think that I just think that the I, that I think the formation is suited to to the players we have um, at the minute. You know, I was impressed with uh, with Kadim Harris against uh, against Forest. I thought he put in a really good shift. Um, his crossing needs to be better. There's no getting away from that, but. You know, it was good to see him getting back, and he was making a few challenges at the back as well. And you know, Murphy put a shift in as, as well. And I think Kevin Lee looked good. Kevin Lee, like you know, he, he looked back to his kind of classy self. There was a couple of nice bits where he ghosted in and does that, you know, that, that kind of thing that Kevin Lee does when nobody really knows he's there, and then all of a sudden he's he's, he's getting on the end of something. That I think he should have scored. You know, there was that. Absolutely ridiculous block that I've still to like. to Even now, I, I don't know how that the fellas managed to keep that out. Um, and there was another one where where Jacob Murphy sort of cut one back to him that he, he got on the end of. And I think uh, again, as as Alex mentioned, Luongo being there just it, it just allows it allows Bannon to move. You know, th- there's no getting away from the fact that Barry Bannon is the creative hub of the Sheffield Wednesday team. You know, if if he can put in a performance, you know, Wednesday have got a chance and. And I think that that's that's one of the key things with uh, with Luongo being back is it does give um, give Bannon that, that kind of freedom. Um, I thought we played with a, with a lot of width, with it, which is good. Um, you know, when you've got players like Wickham and Rhodes in the box, you want to supply them. So that's that's the key now is is making making sure that that width actually turns to something productive rather than just being you know a few hit and hope crosses. I mean, even if you look at something something like the set pieces. We were floating all these set pieces, and it wasn't till till the crews came on and just whipped one in that we, you know, we benefited from it. And I think that if we can see more more of that kind of delivery, um, then maybe maybe we'll have a bit more more of a chance of, of, of getting some goals from from Rhodes and, and Wickham. And you know, we know the quality they have. Um, it's just about supplying them, and hopefully that can that can, they can they can kick on going forward and, and get a few more before the end of the season.
2: There, there is um, a point worth making, I think, on the crosses. Um, and obviously, the, you know, those, those are the stats that jump out. I, I've done a little bit of digging today on Stephen Fletcher and, and some of the stats with him on the pitch and, and without him on the pitch. And the, the crossing accuracy with Fletcher on the pitch has been 35%, which is high. You know, it, it's high for, for a, for yeah. a chance. Without him, it's 25%. So it, you're absolutely right, Joe. You know, it was, it was a little bit ponderous in the crossing and it was sort of flowing it up. But there's also an onus on the guys He's that are on the end. Well, you know, if it's all like Fletcher. It's obviously his main, you know, it's his best attribute, isn't it? If, he, if he's bounding defenders out of the way and, you know, if you've got to put it on someone's head from from 30 yards, the, the crossing percentage is going to be a lot smaller. If you've got someone that can give you a bigger zone to aim at in being physical and in being first to the ball and having yeah. the confidence to, to barge people out of the way, and, you know, we're probably looking at someone like Connor Wickham um, to take take the brunt of that, and obviously there's, there's big Atty as well. Um, but yeah, there the, there is an onus on on the uh, the target men as well, as well as the crosses of the ball, and, and no doubt you know that's something that they've been working on this week.
0: You've touched on Jordan Rhodes' involvement. Is this the latest of Jordan Rhodes' big chance to kind uh, of? A- establishing himself as a Sheffield Wednesday player. what What's kind of been said about Jordan this week, Alex? And, and what did you make of him last, uh, last weekend?
2: Yeah, obviously I've been at the start for a year now and the number of stories that I've done on Jordan Rhodes' new dawn with <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was encouraging. Look, He, he didn't do anything particularly spectacular. He had a, a couple of half chances. Um, th- there's always a lot of talk about Jordan and and his starter playing and, and playing to his strengths. Um, but what I was impressed with both him and Wickham is they sort of dropped in and they and they did the stuff that we you know we've spoken on this podcast a couple of times about the stuff that Fletcher does and and perhaps isn't best known for. Um, and and they both did that. It was a number of times that he had sort of midfielders and, and the wingers sort of bonging bonging on beyond them. You know, with them having dropped in and they were creating play for them around them. Um, Yeah, I mean, in in terms of a goal threat, I've not I've not looked at you know any XG stats or any newfangled stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I think look, he's going to have to be used. He's going to have to play a lot of football, isn't he, over the next few weeks? If he can get a goal and and try and get things rolling, then then who knows? But um, yeah, I I was certainly Nottingham Forest away aside that that performance aside, um, which was obviously you know something a, a little bit different altogether. Um, it, it was possibly the uh, the most encouraging Rose performance that I've seen in, in terms of you know his contribution to the game. Yeah.
0: Obviously this week, big big news in terms of personnel. Um, Black Wednesday, you could almost call it in terms of the amount of people that have uh, have probably ended the time at Sheffield Wednesday in particular. Sam Hutchinson and Sam Winnow, certainly the door's been closed and they've been released, which is not particularly surprising to say the least. When we look back, Joe, on the, the two Sams' contribution to Wednesday, one of them obviously a tremendous contribution, another one less. So what, what are your thoughts on uh, Hutchinson and Winnow?
1: I, I think there will be very, very few Wednesday fans who are happy to, to see Sam Hutchinson go. Um, whether, you know, there's been a lot's gone on, Um, there's been a lot said but I was watching back that that goal that diving header that he scored and the celebrations after that goal and just how can you hate a player like that you know he's just Sam Hutchinson is is, I think every club needs a Sam Hutchinson and um, I just hope that we we have those players going forward we have those leaders in there that can that can dig out you know dig out performances and dig out games for you Um, look I understand it Sam needs to be playing, you know, he's he's at an age now where he, he, he can't be sitting in a stand somewhere not getting any kind of games. Um so I completely understand. I think he's obviously he's fallen down the pecking order at Wednesday and I think it was probably mutually beneficial for the for, for the two to part ways. But like I say, I, I don't think there will be any any Wednesday fans that won't have, you know, a lot of fond memories of, of Sam during his time here and um, and I'm sure, from from his perspective as well, you know, he he kind of refound himself at Wednesday. So I think that um, no matter how things have, have sort of come to a head now and and him moving on, I think there will always be you know a soft spot in his in his heart for Wednesday. I saw an interview he did about mental health um, the other week, and he made a comment at the end of it about how uh, the the girl that was doing the interview had a had a Sheffield United thing up. So. You know, he's, he's, he's blue and white. There's no doubt in that. And I think for me, the, the saddest thing, and it'll go for, for the other boys as well, um, especially the ones who've been there a while, you know, obviously Kieran Lee and, and, and Nui have signed on for the rest of the season, but they might be going as well. But with with Fernando going, I just think it's really sad that given the situation we find ourselves in, you know, there's no chance for just like a, you know, a little bit of a goodbye. I would like to think that when, you know, when the dust has settled and we're allowed people back in stands and stuff like that, that, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, hold my breath, but I'd like to think that that some of the guys like Sam would be invited back, you know, just come back for a game and, and they can sort of say their goodbyes that way. Um, Sam Winnell, I don't think we ever really saw the best of Sam. Um, I think, you know, he, he didn't get that many chances. We did see on a couple of occasions what he, what he was capable of, but um, obviously he went, he went off to Derby on loan and, I, I just don't think that that move ever, you know, really worked out for anybody. Unfortunately,
0: no, no. Certainly, on Sam Hutchinson, you, you, you're totally right in terms of contribution to Wednesday. It's been, he's been one of these standouts of this kind of this modern period, this Champions here, here, Obviously, he was there before, and and uh, probably has a lot of thanks towards uh, Stuart Gray for what he did for uh, for his career, but. Um, in terms of the last few years, fantastic, and certainly there were long periods where, whenever Sam went in the side, he was a player that you probably missed more than anybody else in terms of that bite in midfield. And he seemed to learn to control that bite more and more as time went on. And uh,
1: yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a person who loves tackle as much as Sam. It's for a person who got injured as much as he did to go for tackles like he did was just yeah can't fault him.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: tremendous, tremendous
0: uh, player for for Wednesday. Though we'd obviously had the, the confirmation that offers had been made to Stephen Fletcher, Fernando Forestieri, and Morgan Fox, which we knew anyway. But those players rejecting those. Alex, what's the situation with those? Is that it? Is the door closed on them completely? Do we think we've seen the last of them altogether, or will discussions maybe attempt to be restarted uh, once this season's over and done with?
2: Yeah, I think so I'd be very, very surprised if uh, if any attempts were made to to bring Foresty area back. I think Gary Monk sort of made his uh, opinion sort of quite clear on uh, on Foresty area a couple of times. He um, didn't mention him by name at all today, did he? No, no. Um, London. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think I think that one's that one's done and unfortunate as well. You know, I've been I've been watched Sheffield Wednesday from from sort of afar up until this season. I think. Forestieri was sort of the name that, that everyone associates as being a real class act, but um, yeah, I, I think with the other two, we, 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 the question was asked today, and you know he he stopped short of of answering it either way. Really, um, you know, he, he was pretty clear in you know the idea that the focus is on on the rest of the season, and you know the the club. Me and Joe both asked questions about transfers and how they were shaping up. Um, and yeah, I think I think the club, like a lot of championship clubs and clubs up and down the football league, are sort of assessing where they're gonna be at before they can really put put wheels into motion on that sort of thing. He did sort of hint that maybe some approaches had been made for um for a couple of out of contract players. Um but yeah, in terms of a definitive answer on those two, yeah, look, I'd, I'd be surprised if the question wasn't asked at some point. They haven't been able to to get it done and dusted um for, for the end of the season. But I think once Maybe Wednesday know what division they're going to be in next year. It'll make those those conversations a little bit easier from from both sides. From Wednesday, from maybe what they can offer on a, a financial perspective, and and for the players, you know, they're both at different stages of their career. But I don't think either of them see themselves playing in in League One.
0: This is it, and a lot of things that have been sorted out by this. Well, certainly by this point. But even if we were at this stage of the season players that have an idea of where interest from elsewhere would have, would have lined where, where what clubs that have, majority of clubs would have made contact if they had any interest and, and they'll kind of know when it came to the offer from the club they were already at, what situation they were going to be in and what alternatives they had on the table. That's just not going to be the case. Um, will be for some, for, for some but there'll be plenty of clubs in the Championship who will wait and see what division they're in, wait and see what next season looks like. Will fans be allowed in from the start of next season? Uh, how many and things like that, all that's going to determine this. So it's, it's it's strange, players usually have a lot of power and despite the fact that clubs aren't going to have a tremendous amount of money, players in this situation are still going to have a lot of power in this scenario because they can't afford to turn around and say, well, I'll just wait and see what my options are. Uh, just just taking the risk there that the club that they're already at has, has kind of moved on and, and looking for something else. But it be interesting to see how, how that Plays out in terms of those three and their contribution to Wednesday. I'm sure we could do a full podcast on Fernando Forestieri and his uh, kind of story, and maybe we will at some point. But for me, it's always been a case of not really particularly fulfilled his potential in a Wednesday shirt. Um, uh, that fantastic first season, really, really good. But then from that second season and, and kind of kicking it off in a manner that he did by refusing to play at Norwich, I think. From that point, it's just never—it's only been in fits and starts uh, for me. Uh, Joe, how do you kind of reflect on Forestieri's time at uh, uh, Wednesday?
1: So I, I'm a bit of a sucker for Forestieri, to be honest. And I think that that goes back to Carboni, Di canio and you know the the that I think it's it just kind of feels like a reverse a reverse thing to me. Like I, I go back to being a kid with him because of what he can do with a footballer. Like, I don't think there will be many people disagree with me in in terms of. I don't think there's been a better footballer at Wednesday in terms of actual you know, technical ability than, than Forestieri since the Premier League days. Um, and one thing that is interesting with me is I think that, that Norwich thing, it, it never really recovered from that, from a, from a sort of a, a fan perspective, the way people looked at him. But what I think a lot of people do forget is that that season, even though after that, after that Norwich game, he still went and finished top scorer. Yeah. He got 12 goals, he got six assists. Um, and then he obviously had that, that knee, he had knee, knee surgery the following season. Then in, he came back after knee surgery and I think in his last eight games, he got five goals and assists. Um, and yes, he's dropped off a little bit since then, but I do think he's been played out of position quite a bit. Um, and I don't think he got the arm around his shoulder that is needed for a player like him. You know, some people, some players just need that. They need someone to, to, to put their arm around their shoulder and that. And I don't think that, um, you know, I just don't think he's, he's got that. And going back to what you were saying about player power and, and the situation they find themselves in, now is very much a, it's a, it's a free agent market now. You know, you, you, you look at those, those three players in particular, with, with, with Morgan, with Steven and with, uh, with Nando, I don't think any of them are going to struggle to get a club. You know, I, I don't think any of those three players at various levels will struggle to get something. Um, the, the thing that, that was, I think the thing that great that, that so much about Morgan was, I think you need players like that in a football club. You know, Morgan was able to just get absolutely hammered from fans and instead of, you know, kind of letting it get to him and, 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 and sort of spitting his dummy out and, and kind of handing in a transfer request because he was an ape, uh, you know, he went away and he, he thought, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them now and he did. You know, he came back this season and he's been, he's been great. I think he's, He's probably top three, top three, top four players for the club this season, um, and I think that you know losing a player with that kind of mentality and that kind of professionalism is is a real blow for for Wednesday. But um, but going back to going back to Nando, when you lose that kind of quality, it's always going to be it's always going to be difficult. Um, but I think there's probably going to be a lot to be said um, at some point when these contracts do come to an end. I think we'll get a bit more of a an indication of, of, of what's gone on and you know the the way that things the way that things panned out. Yeah, Fernando has never never
0: misses out the opportunity to tell uh, his side of the story. I can remember after that uh, the knee surgery. Yeah, I can remember speaking to him after his comeback for the under twenty threes, and he had plenty to say about sort of Carlos's uh, part in his uh, in, in what had gone off with, with Fernando. So I'm sure he will have plenty to say I, I i always look back on it and, and without making this a fernando forestieri podcast i just think that it said a lot about uh mr chan when that season when with a refusal to play at Norwich. for a lot of owners and chairmen that would have been the end and they would have looked and thought right we'll just get this kit whatever what no we're going to miss out on some money um that we perhaps could have got for him, we just want to get rid of him, we want to get him out, he doesn't want to be here. And I think that said a lot about Mr Chancery, which we'd seen before as a stubborn man and he wouldn't let somebody go for, for less than what he would were, he were value him at. And and, and, and no I don't know... what being he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I see, I don't know what, whether that would have been the point, but I think probably for me that would have been the point. He should, should have perhaps been, you know, been moved on and looked to to do what they could. I, I don't think he's necessarily contributed enough since to just otherwise, but I'm sure that's one to be debated. He still remains an incredibly popular footballer among uh, Wednesday fans. Um, and yeah, be, be, it'll be conflicting views, I think, for a long time on on of Forest area goes down in uh, kind of
1: Wednesday legend. Guaranteed he has an absolute belter of a season next year.
0: Wherever he ends up, so certainly, <laughs> certainly. Alex, I think the... The big, we we didn't really know what was going to happen with Stephen Fletcher, and obviously we still don't. But it, it is, despite the fact, obviously he came on for a short period last week and went off injured. It's a little bit of a blow that he's not going to be around for these last few games, given the contribution he has made this uh, this season.
2: Yeah, massive blow. Sort of touched on looking into some of the stats, and uh, you know the eleven league games that he's missed. You know they've won two. It was his injury that sort of. Really exacerbated the the poor form that they had at coming out of Christmas, and you know both Gary Monk and Lee Bullen and I think Barry Bannon as well. You know you can't get three more senior you know people in the in the Wednesday camp than those three. They've all talked about the confidence hit that um, you know a, a life without Fletcher sort of had on on the team and on the you know life at Middlewood Road. I guess you know it, it, it's a whole week thing. You know we we see them on a on a Saturday, or on a Tuesday, or Wednesday night, whatever—it's it's the uh, the emotion-sapping week that, that I think is something that's maybe not been talked about enough um, with, with Sheffield Wednesday and Sein Fletcher was a big part of that. You know, it's not only just the goals and and sort of bringing other people into play that we've spoken about a couple of times on this podcast. Um, you know, we know there's been a couple of occasions in the season when things have taken a downturn that he's stood up in the changing room and done done a lot of the talking. It sounds like when Stephen Fletcher talks, the players listen. So they miss that, you know, that there, there could well be some some troughs to, to deal with over the next, um, you know, month or so. Um, and yeah, there, there's no sort of sugarcoating it. He's a massive, massive loss for Wednesday. And, um, you know, I've got a piece going out in a couple of hours about Wickham and maybe how he can try and step into that role, but certainly big, big shoes to fill.
0: So before we sort of get into the... Uh... Looking ahead to this weekend and uh, the trip to Bristol City, Uh, a little bit on the EFL charge. We know that this week has been the the hearing. So, Joe, what do we know so far, if anything, other than the fact it's been the uh, hearing this weekend?
1: Absolutely nothing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's the the same as it has been. They've all been very tight-lipped on it. You know, obviously we asked Gary about it today and he said the same thing he said basically from the start was you know they they focus on what they can focus on they control what they can control and you know he, he says he knows it's important he knows it's a big a big deal but they they're basically leaving it up to to the to the men in charge really uh, he did say you know they they're very confident and have been confident um that they can you know make it co- like come through the other side but i mean and this is this is me speaking as joker on the fo- the the football fan rather than joker on the journalist but I just want it over now, you know i just i just want if if it means we get twelve points deducted um, i look obviously i don 't want us to go down, but if we could get twelve points deducted and, and we can get to a point when we 're at least twelve points clear i 'd take that in an heartbeat and just get it done with and move on with our lives because um, this has gone on for so many months now and um, look I, they they obviously think that they're, that they're you know're on Solid ground, and they they can they can achieve a, a not guilty on this on this whole situation. But um, like I say, if if it if it was a if you had to take a, a guilty situation, it didn't take you down, and you could do that without having to appeal and without having to take it to you know the, the next level and have it drag on for another few months. I'd take that because at this point, it as much as the players say it doesn't um, it doesn't affect them. As we've alluded to earlier, it does affect your plans for next season. It does affect the kind of players you can bring in. So, if you can if you can put that to bed and you can move on with your life, then I think that would be that would be the, the the main aim now. Even if it means taking a bit of a hit and accepting accepting a little bit of guilt. Whether that'll happen or not um, remains to be seen. And I think I'm I'm hoping that they, they, obviously it started on Monday. Um, you would hope that. By the end of the month, we might have some kind of progress report, even if it's not done and dusted. But yeah, we, we haven't really been given any kind of indication as to when this will definitely be be sort of have a have be having a, a line drawn underneath it.
0: Will be an interesting one. It's never particularly easy with the uh, the EFL, but hopefully that one, as you say, done and dusted soon enough. Uh, Alex, let's look ahead to things that we do know about Bristol City on Sunday. Your thoughts on this game and what kind of challenge awaits
2: Wednesday? Yeah, again, it's uh, you know similar to the chat we had last week. It, uh, sort of all form, I guess, and and all the rest of it is is thrown out the window. I think Bristol City are, are sort of uh, more or less full strength. I think the right back Pereira, um has got an injury and is unlikely to feature for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to Wednesday and how they approach it. If, if you know they play with a sort of Had no confidence and and all the rest of it away from home that they did at Empty Hillsborough on Saturday. I I think they've got every chance. Monk said a a number of times, you know, he's been quite sort of honest and and forthcoming, really, in in the fact that they are playing a lot of the teams that are above them, sort of a lot of the teams that are around the edges of that that last playoff place. Um, And, you know, that Wednesday have proven that they can certainly mix it with with those sides on their day. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's just about getting. The, the building blocks, really, again, not wanting to use a, a cliche, but something sort of started a little bit there, I think, on Saturday. It, you know, it was encouraging. There was definitely something there in, in terms of the shape and the style of play that, that to be honest, we, we may not have seen us all from Wednesday this season. You know, even including that that blitzing run-up to Christmas, you know, there, there wasn't a very definite sort of personality to the team and the way they went about it, but but there certainly wasn't Saturday. So, yeah, as I say, if they can get something going... Um, I think I, I think they've got every chance this weekend. I
0: see, absolutely no reason why not. Joe, what were the sort of team news uh, that came out today when he spoke to uh, Gary
1: Monk? So he said Fletcher's, Fletcher's unlikely to play. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think that was a given. Even if he was fit, you know, I think it was, him being unlikely to play was probably the would have been the same answer. Um, but yeah, he said that he's a uh, he, his scan came back all clear from from the injury. You know, his his little. Grandpa from The Simpsons cameo um, last weekend when he came on for six minutes and then went off again. Um, so that that's uh, he said he hadn't trained all week because of because of that. Even though he got a, a clean a clean a clear scan, um, obviously Josh Windass is still still battling. Um, and, uh, he does think he'll make it back for the I think he said the last four or five games. the are hopeful, so they are looking to extend that loan, and um, that should be should be done relatively soon. He said the clubs have agreed to it. Um but other than that, they're they're fine. You know, there's no fresh injury news, no little niggles that people are carrying, which is which is good because I think that's gonna be that's gonna be the main thing for Wednesday now. Looking at the squad we've got available, looking at the players that, you know, we have got signed on, especially once, you know, this, this weekend's passed by. Um player availability and player fitness is gonna be is gonna play a massive role in terms of what Wednesday can do with the rest of this season. You know, you look at the the situation with, you know, for instance, left back, we, we have no left back, um, <laughs> you know, like with, with, um, with, with Morgan Fox going, Matt Penny is still unavailable because obviously his, his loan's finishing in Germany this week and he can't play, um, so that, that could be another, another reason why, why Gary's gone for 3-5-2 for because he knows that he can put Kadeem there and, um, and Kadeem can, can do the running up and down and yeah, that the, the fitness levels are are promising, and it's not really a surprise for me, given the stuff we've heard Gary say over over the past, you know, few months. He's obviously very very big on on player welfare and on, on periodisation and, and making sure the guys are all looked after well. And um, going back to what he said before about the guys coming back in good shape, um, the fact that we we were able to get through that that game without any any serious injuries, we saw a lot of the other clubs um, around the UK. Had guys pull it, uh, pulling up, you know. Arsenal lost two in the in the first half, I think, in their game, and you know we see Sheffield United get a couple of a couple of people ruled out as well. So the fact that we have uh, we've got through this period unscathed and that first game unscathed is 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 great, and and hopefully that continues because we're we're going to need this full squad of players, and, and there's no doubt about that.
0: No grand farewell for players then this weekend, Alex. It's just kind of case of done and dusted for them that aren't going to be playing on beyond the. Uh, Yeah, end of June.
2: Yeah, I I think no surprise. There were some little whispers around about maybe the fact that Morgan Fox might travel, um, which out of the three, you know, probably uh, imagine he's probably the most likely, but, you know, I I think sort of Gary sort of said as much this morning that that that's probably sayonara for the, for the three of them. So um, yeah, you know, it it does leave them light, you know, we've sort of followed, it's been a running commentary really as, as different things have been, confirmed on how many outfield players they've got um, I put it at 15 outfield players including Hunt and Arugidi. Um, you know you got the likes of, of Liam Shaw and Connor Grant on the edge of that as well um, but yeah eight games in 24 days look, a lot of clubs are in the same position but I don't fancy many of them are, are quite as stretched as Wednesday in terms of personnel um, so yeah as Joe said look you know Monk and and, and Strudwick as well we've spoken about a couple of times on this podcast, together they're going to have to work hard to uh, to get you know the side through it and, and get them through it well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how they get on. You know, I, th- I think you know as Joe said, that sort of looking after players and, and squad management is something that um, that Monk sort of prides himself on. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see.
0: It could be one of the positives towards the end of the season, seeing some of these younger lads that you you kind of touched on there. Obviously, we, see, we saw Alex Hunt a little bit last week, and uh, we'll see more of them to come. If 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 Wednesday aren't involved in a mad scramble to try and get out of the uh, the relegation dogfight, the uh, the the one to the positive that could come from this is is the chance to see some of these younger lads. So, uh, any of them in particular impressed you so far from what you've seen? Either of you?
1: I think me and Alex will both tell you, well, you know, his, his, his namesake, um, I think Alex Hunt has been, he looks like a bit of a breath of fresh air, you know, he's, uh, he's technically very, very good, um, he's, he's nice, he's one of those players where, you know, not to blow him up too much, um, but you know, people talk about Xavi and the fact that he was small and, you know, he shouldn't really been able to do things because he wasn't physically enough and, um, it kind of feels that way a little bit about Alex Hunt. You know, people look at him and his physique, and he looks like a kid. You know, he looks like a—he's—he's very—he's um, not particularly bulked up. He's—he's not—he's not very tall at all. But you know, he's—he's there's some really nice sort of sorry, bits of interplay from him um, in the games that I've seen of him so far. He—he he doesn't look overawed by it at all. Um, and I think you know, players like. Um, like alex could could really benefit from the situation we find find ourselves in now, because um, the kind of i wouldn 't say the pressure 's been taken away because they they know what they 're playing for and they know the club they 're playing for, but um they they 're able to get out there without that i suppose that fan pressure that's, that that comes with playing at Illesburg. um yeah there 's a few of them you know i 've spoken to a, a, a few of the players now and obviously spoken to Gary about it and. There's a there, there does seem to be very much a um a positivity around the young boys that are coming through at Wednesday at the minute. Um obviously Alex and, and Asazi are at the, the top end of that because they've played. Um but you know there's there's guys like Connor Connor Grant as well who's who's in there. Um and I've heard a lot of good things about uh, about Manuel Hidalgo as well, the, the the young lad who's in the under twenty threes. Uh, I don't think he'll play any kind of role this season, um unless, you know, obviously they need to bring in some players, but um, next season, that could be an interesting one to go. At. Uh, but yeah, I'd like I say, I mean, I think I, I probably speak for, for for both myself and and Alex when when we say that you know Hunt is one of those players that I think is really is really pushing for a you know that that starting birth spot now.
2: Alex Hunt is my favourite player in the world <laughs> in world football. Now, just uh, I mean, he only played for 16 minutes on on Saturday, but um, like Joe's already said. I put a clip on Twitter of one of his passes. And it's just that thing, you know, he, he had three... Set, he, he sort of got, got it with his, his back to goal um, in his own half. He, he had three easy passes. He had another... You know, he he looked left, there was another easy pass. And he, he threaded one through to sort of start an attack with, uh, with Moses on a badger. But sort of the biggest thing for me was... Which is a bit different, actually, to some of the games that I've seen him play previously. He was getting the ball, he was passing it, and then he was pointing. Like, he, he was pointing where he wanted Barry Bannon to go and he
1: was pointing yeah batter's wearing off on him
2: yeah well you know, but but that's something that, that, that's sort of been a narrative with, with yeah the two of them do that you know they've got the same agency um, Bannon sort of made it quite clear that he he sort of got his, his arm around him um, so yeah very very exciting indeed yeah, I've, I've seen a handful of under 23 games that actually the one player that really, really stood out as being the best player in the 23s twenty three s was Asazi and you know that was before that he, you know, it got into the first team and and had those performances at Brighton and Leeds. But Connor Grant as well is one uh, who we know that is training with the first team, like we've said. Um, but yeah, really sort of bright and a uh, bit of a goal threat as well, um, Conor Grant. So yeah, Monk Monk said after the game as well. It's probably worth mentioning that that all of these players will be involved in in some. Way, shape, or form before the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, something to look forward to, certainly.
0: Just before we finish, um, I wanted to touch on the fact both of you have wrote incredibly well this week about the sort of Black Lives Matter um, <laughs> sort of moment and um, the uh, the way that footballs kind of addressed it and things like that. I just wondered if. For for anybody who's not particularly seen these pieces of or or, or what or if you can turn them towards them, if you've got anything you'd like to kind of add to what you what you've said, maybe uh, come to you first, Alex.
2: Yeah, well, I think you know, obviously being one of the, the very few people in the ground on on Saturday, we'd, we'd seen you know the the taking the knee in the in the Premier League games before, um, so we, we sort of knew it was going to happen, but. I I was sort of filming it on my phone, and then to look to the right hand side and, and see Dominic offer you know with, with the raised fist, and it it, it really was. And I'm not just saying this for effect or or hamming it up, or it, it was an incredibly sort of inspiring moment and empowering moment. And um, to to touch on the the piece that you referred to that I wrote, you know, I think it is well, the the information is out there, you know, and it, this this has been a the you know the centre of international conversation now for for a number of weeks, um, and you know that education does need to continue. But the information is out there. There's no, there's no excuse for ignorance around the meaning of Black Lives Matter, the meaning of the raised fist, and that sort of stuff. You know the, the information is at your fingertips, like like no generations ever had before. Um, I think you know it's about self reflection and being honest. John Barnes speaks really honestly. Um, and very well about the, the way that you racism is is just that you you are a racist or you're not a racist, and and the fact that that's that's sort of the narrative, and it's just not true. We we all carry prejudices. Look, I, I'm sorry talking as a middle class white guy that that's never had to even begin to to comprehend any any of the issues that we're talking about, but it's about sort of understanding the prejudices that we do have. Um and and being sort of self critical in that in that piece I sort of spoke about the sports journalism industry and you know, we're we're all the first Liam. I know I know you speak to um to Darren Moore quite a lot who's sort of at the center of the, the conversation about black managers. And you know, it's it's a it's a constant sort of narrative for, for sports journalism to, to almost point that finger at, at what more football can do. But, you know, across four different sports, you know, for, for different companies over the last five years I've you know I've sat in in press boxes all around the country I I, I think I can probably count the number of of non-white journalists that I've shared a press box with on on one hand you know there's different conversations about women as well um on my my sports journalism course there was only what in in, I think 40 a 40 strong course there was only one BAME um participant in that course so for some reason sports journalism does have a a monopoly on sorry white people have a monopoly on on the dream of of writing or broadcasting about sport and it's something that needs to change you know as I said you know we're three of us are speaking as as white people that don't have to to deal with these problems and you know certainly you know sports journalism holding up that mirror on on the problems that people have sport and in in society would be helped if um, you know there were more opportunities for 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 black people to uh, to sort of take the pen, as it were.
0: Yeah. You got anything you'd like to uh, to add, Joe? I
1: I th- I don't think there's anything necessarily I'd like to add. I mean, you know, I, when I when I wrote the piece that I wrote, having lived in in South Africa for the last you know best part of a decade, um, I think I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about what it means to be a you know a straight white man um and the sort of the benefits that naturally come with that um so I put a lot of uh, put a lot of thought into the piece that I put together to to make sure that i didn't come across as you know a bit of a you know a bit of a white knight saying you know kind of patting myself on the back about, about you know the way that I think and all that kind of stuff um yes, yeah, so I don't think there's anything I want to add i mean it, it's for me, it's just all about educa- education, mate. It's all about you know trying to tr- trying to to make sure that you're willing to to listen to different opinions and, and make sure that you are able to sort of get a grasp on what the whole whole movement means. And um, I, I think that what was kind of the crux of my piece was the fact that Wednesday, you know, they they did the right thing and and they they especially owed it to you know the players of of color that they have in their team. Um, you know, you've got a lot of other clubs who've been very vocal about it beforehand. Um, and I think you might have had a situation where players like Dominic Offer and Leon Palmer and, and Kadeem Harris and Jacob Murphy, and they they kind of look at their club and they go, well, what are you, what are you guys doing? And um, so I think Wednesday were right to do what they did. I think they, they've handled it well. Um, the fact that they kind of doubled down on it as well afterwards, you know, they 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 posted the original thing and then doubled down and, and said no you know we're we're not backing down from from this standpoint i think was was really really good for them and um it made me very proud to be a Wednesday, night, you know I think that that's that's um that's the, that was the crux of it for me and um yeah it's a it's a very difficult subject to talk about as as I alluded to earlier um we're not really the people that should be telling you know telling the stories because we we don't know you know we we don't know that I've never been you know I've never been profiled when I walked into a shop before you know I've never walked into a into a into a news agent or anything like that where even if I've gone in in a hoodie and a cap no one's ever gone oh no, well you know we better keep an eye on, on him sort of thing so yeah we we can't we can't even begin to imagine the the sort of struggles that people have gone through and I think that the the reason I wanted to write my piece is because I just felt like we have a platform and we should try and use that platform to to the best of our ability. Um, but we we it, it needs to keep going. You know, people need to keep learning, and hopefully, one day in the in the in the not so distant future, we we start to make some real progress.
0: I think that's it. It's about continuing it on, uh, and I, I think football's done a good job. In itself, in these last few weeks, where it's not just looked like a token gesture, and it's felt like there has been a real movement and supporting people, and there are so many we, we know about the proportion of players uh, that are from uh, BAME communities and and, and mm-hmm. things like that, and it's important that this conversation keeps having. Look, I think we've seen it that there are people who are never going to listen, and try yeah, all you can, all sure. you, can uh, you can try all you can, but they're not, they're not going to listen but it, there are plenty of people out there who, who can be educated on this and, and we're, we're all included on that and we will not be arrogant to think uh, that, that, that we weren't. So it's something that will continue and, and I think that the start we're going to look to continue doing what we can and, and highlighting these issues as, as much as possible uh, going forward and, uh, and addressing it and, and hopefully, hopefully, things can sort of start to change bit by bit. Um, but yeah, as I said, both Alex and Joe writing incredibly well on the, uh, on the topic and writing from the heart as well. Uh, again, not, not, no sense of tokenism from either of that. It's just really good, strong writing and um, well worth reading. So, Search, uh, search out for them on uh, the star.co.uk. Um, and that's pretty much it for this episode of The Star Owls. We'll be bringing you uh, episodes regularly throughout the uh, the next month at least. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. You can follow us on Twitter at The Star Owls or search for our dedicated Wednesday Facebook page um, and you get all the latest Wednesday news and notifications when next episode of this podcast will be available and of course head over to the star.co.uk for the best coverage that is out there why not subscribe to the website it's only a pound for the first three months that'll take you through this incredibly busy month of, uh, of football for, for Wednesday and then the madness of what's to come next there's one teas and and another one hopefully starts pretty quickly afterwards um, so yeah consider subscribing to that I think it'll be well worth it uh, in this period uh, but yeah thank you very much for joining us uh, stay care and we'll speak to you again very soon thanks a lot head over to star.co.uk for all the latest news, views and analysis of all things Sheffield Wednesday follow us on Twitter at the Star Owls, or search on Facebook for our dedicated Sheffield Wednesday page and remember you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever